Welcome to the Pardes Parsha podcast, brought to you by the Pardes Institute of Jewish Studies. This week's episode features Aviva Lauer and Rabbi Dr. Alicia Anshilovitz on Parshat Vayikra. To listen to the most recent episode of the Parsha podcast and to find more exciting Torah content from Pardes, please visit elmod.pardes.org. And now, Aviva Lauer and Rabbi Dr. Alicia Anshilovitz. Good morning, Aviva Lauer. Pardes, Director of Pardes' Center for Jewish Educators. And good morning, Rav Alicia Angelovitz, uh, who is the, I would say, halacha guru of Pardes, but I think he wants me to say <laughs> that he teaches advanced halacha here at Pardes. Uh, okay, you. thank you, Aviva. Good morning. We are lucky enough to be able to talk to you today or talk with each other today about Parshad Vayikra. Um, and s- some of you might know that the book of Vayikra, uh, Leviticus, um, is chock full of, of uh, mitzvot, halachot, about sacrifices, about um, priests. And a lot of these kinds of things, I think, Revelisha, feel very foreign or alien to people today. And I'm hoping that you can help um, me and our listeners sort of bring bring home or feel more comfortable um, about understanding or beginning to understand what korbanot or sacrifices are all about. Okay, I'll just uh, say back to you, Aviva. Um, we all know what they're about. We just don't realize it because they're part of the human experience that people all over the world have done. So that means we humans must understand them. We just don't okay. realize we're doing the same thing. Nice, I think. Meaning, <laughs> part of me feels like, oh, good. I feel like a sense of relief because you're telling me that if I think about it or you know check myself, I I will understand it. But on the other hand, don't a lot of people feel, you know, animal sacrifices? Like what? That's not that's not who we are. That's not what we would ever do in the future. Um, should the temple be rebuilt? Okay, okay. So I have an idea for the, for the two of us. Why don't, we, why don't we avoid doing, discussing the elements that would sound strange, specifically culture, specific cultural elements like Beta Mikdash, okay? Or something we start calling Korbanot. Why don't we just start treating um, the issue of food, and being roasted, korban, right? And then being eaten and start from there. And that way model what it means to gradually translate something from one culture to another. Okay, so yes, I can do that. I am not a vegetarian. I like I like roast meat. <laughs> I am good. I am happy to talk about that. And I hope that some of our listeners will be happy to hear about that. So please, yes, let's do that. Okay, so... Um, we'll, st- we'll start with the easiest one, I think, which is uh, Zevach Shlamim. Zevach Shlamim, there's a pasuk, Zevach Shlamim Korbano, if the person offers a classically translated peace offering. Right? Okay. And, and that offering is eaten by the owner and other people. It's meant to classically include even the poor, widows, orphans, uh, Levites, other people. Um. Yeah, it's basically straightforwardly 
Ijin, you roast, you, you roast, well, you roast the fat, the tallow, and you don't eat the blood. Okay, let me, let's, great. Let me step back for a second and ask you. So um, when you say, first of all, a peace offering, you mean like, well, shalom, like P-E-A-C-E, not P-I-E-C-E, right? We're not talking about right, a peace. Right. You're talking about peace, like peace of mind or world peace or whatever. Um, and this is a, as opposed to, for example, the Ola, which is um, a type of offering that is all burnt on the uh, on the mizbeach um, on the altar, and that goes to God, so to speak. Right, which which might seem strange, and I, which might seem strange, though it's not that different than my dedicating a lot of money to instead of having great aromas in the Beit Hamikdash, I dedicated to um, some museum to have to have a, I don't know what a beautiful wall in the museum. So okay. it's not it's not to be used and consumed so much as it's to create an impression, cultural sense of whatever experience we're we're looking for. But I don't, but I think that's still a harder harder gap than a korban zevach shlamim. Okay, great. So a zevach shlamim, this peace offering, it's roasted and eaten. So why don't you do that at home, for example? Why do you have to go to the Beit Hamikdash or the Mishkan? To, to the tabernacle to present an offering if it's really for yourself. Okay. Um, okay, so Zevach Shlamim offering in Vayikra, which we're reading now, the model is that all meat should only be eaten as a korban, which means people in theory should bring their meat to a central location assuming, let's say you're in the Midbar, because that's the model here, and everybody can come to a central location, which then has advantages of if it's great aromas in, in the Mikdash, but also if I want to share the food with other people, I've come to the central location, and then everybody knows this is a place with which I share the food. So it's like at a music festival, which I have never been to one, but I'm guessing that there's like a food tent. Ah, and this is okay. the area where you go to have the meat. You don't do it in your own private tent area for in order to share it because this is a shared experience, you're saying. you. So, okay, so let me ask you another question. Must it be shared? As in you, you bring this offering, you know, for whatever reason, I'll ask you that next, why you would bring such an offering. And you must share it or can you eat it all on your own? Um, it, it must be shared. It must be shared. Um, you, cannot, you cannot exclude other people from eating it, um, as in Levim or Kohanim. It's meant to be shared. Um, yes, well, yes. So then let me, okay. No, wait, 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 wait. I'll, I'll, I'll add the following even. If it's, if it's, if it lasts more than two days, it's meant to be burnt up, meaning I have to consume it within a limited time frame, which, which by definition requires me to actually invite more people. Okay, okay. And um, why would somebody, besides wanting to eat meat, right? right? Why would somebody bring this particular kind of offering? I mean, I think that we, that we know that there are offerings or sacrifices, I don't know which is a better term, um, which 
people bring because they've done a sin or, you know, for reasons like that, what is the reason that a person would generally bring a Zevach Shlemim? Oh, Zevach Shlemim are classically brought, is classically brought for one of two reasons. One is I am thankful. I'm thankful because a great miracle, if you will, happened to me. I was saved. I'm just really thankful. And then I bring it and I, sh I bring a korban in order to share the meat with other people. Again, basically the meat is shared. The, what's burnt up are the bones, the fat, um, the blood is, in the, is not eaten, but the meat is shared. So I'm, I'm celebrating, I'm sharing. It's like throwing a kiddush for a birchat Okay, so if something somebody ha something happens to somebody, let's say they are, God forbid, in an accident, and then they are fine, and so they give a kiddush um, in honor of that after saying birkat hagomel in in shul, um, you know, they they say the blessing of having been uh, redeemed or saved, um, or somebody has a baby and they're really happy about that, and also they're happy that they got through the birth. No, not so that, that one. That's interesting for the birth one because that's such a dangerous process, both birth and the baby surviving, that is a korban, there's a korban. Uh, Ooh, okay, so let's not, let me not use that example. Okay, so actually the Yoledet, um, because she survived and the child, but let's start this way, she survived, okay? That's one. Um, and it's only brought after 40, 80 days, meaning the child survived. Right? So your letter brings a chatat and an ola. Ola is, as we said, it's a complete burnt sacrifice, which is like, oh my goodness, thank you. And you just want to like, give know, dedicate some, some, give everything exactly. It creates great, great aroma in the mikdash. Everything's burnt. You're just, it's like putting up, I don't know what, a plaque in a, in a big knesset or something. But, but the chatat, is is eaten by people it's seen by the kohanim and a chatad is where you're asking for forgiveness and the idea being that in life sometimes we're like whoa that was a close one i you know wait <laughs> let's make sure we continue surviving especially the child right let's not have any other illness kick in suddenly like and those types of fears and then um you want somebody to basically tell you hopefully kind of tell you speak to you with some type of if you will, divine, whatever you want to call it, um, not authority, compassion, a coin to basically tell you it's okay. God is right. God will forgive. You're bringing a korban. So the kornim are the ones that have to eat it because that's just human. People respond. If you get a, they respond better. So that's for kornim. Okay. Right? So but if, yeah. But otherwise, otherwise, I mean, in general, right? I've been there was a shipwreck and I was slave, shaved. They bring a korban to that. Okay, that's a shlamim. And then I share it with many people. Uh, I could, you know, Levim and Koinim can eat it, but I share it with many people. Right? And that's my toda. So that's, that's a sacrifice for being saved and for being I thankful. Really, I really love your um, comparison to modern day of giving, throwing a party or giving a kiddush of, of thanks that this kind of, this, this particular offering, the shlamim, is one of thanks, and you, you know, you you want to sort of announce that and have bring other people into that happiness with you. Yeah, thank you. Okay, thank you. So that's okay. That's the korban to that. And one more, the more uh, the other one is on holidays. 
on holidays, we bring a korban, korban chagiga. A korban chagiga, a holiday korban is a shlamim, because it's ah. the same idea. When we celebrate on holidays, we are supposed to include others, which is still halacha and Mishnah Torah, for instance. Most money spent on a holiday for food should be to include the poor rather than one's own gastro gastronomical pleasures, Rambam, Mishnah Torah. So that's a korban so shlamim. So let's say on Purim, for example, I know we're not Purim, we're not talking about, I know we're not talking about a, uh, a Torah holiday when we talk about Purim, but I'm going to extrapolate for a moment and tell me if this is okay, that when we think about the gifts to the poor, the food, you know, that maybe should, we should be focusing more on our, the money that we give in Matanola Evyonim than to at the Su'uda, at the, at the meal that we have with others. Again, correct. I know this is not a Torah halacha, but I'm just extrapolating no, no, the same no, idea. That's correct. That's correct. The most important part of Purim, the mitzvah of Purim, is to give matanot lev yunim, mikra megillah, and which is everybody gathering and celebrating. Right, reading and, the Megillah. Right, and matanot lev yunim, and giving right, gifts, gifts to the poor, poor. right? And mishloch manot, but gifts to the poor right, is more uh, more important. It's it, Let's put it this way. it There is... um. The matanot levyonim means I have to give to more than one poor person. Mishloach right. manot only have to give to one person, and I can give mishloach manot to a poor person. So, like, so clearly that is the more critical um, element of the celebration. Yeah. Okay, great. So, what I'm getting from you, the zevach shlamim, it can be a, a thanks um, offering. It is a gathering. Um, a sense of bringing people together offering on a holiday because um, we're supposed to be sharing with others um, and being together in community. So I want to ask you then something. Um, I, I picked up on something that you said before. Um, you talked about the blood, that the blood of the Zevach um, Shlamim is not eaten. It's not consumed, but rather I believe you said that the blood is um, left on the altar, left on the Mizbeach, is that true? Uh, in, in, yes, in Sefer Vayikra, it's splattered on the Mizbeach. Here, it just, here in our parsha it just says, do not eat it, but lo tochelu, chodam lo tochelu, don't eat the blood, but um, it's, it's offered on the Mizbeach, partially. So I'll explain in a moment, I guess. Yeah, well, do, do explain, because I mean, not that I'm a blood, you know, the idea of eating blood, we don't do that you know, at all, as you just said. And, but the idea of it is to me is not very palatable, but I know, for example, okay, I lived in England and I know that there's, um, what is it called? Blood black, sausages. What is it called? Black, blood sausages or yes. bread. black pudding or something black like that. Pudding, yes. and that's made out of blood. And apparently that tastes really good. So why, if we're trying to like share and, and give food to the, to the poor and, and, you know, make use of the entire the entire animal, why would we not eat the blood or share the blood? Okay, okay, so that's, that's a great example of, um, of the difference between thinking long-term and short-term, but also, let me, I don't wanna be judgmental here, it also depends on climate and conditions. So I'll do this step-by-step. Step. Before, before I answer just one more point, it also says not to eat the fat or the tallow. So in Pasuk says, uh, Gimel, Dalet, Hadzai, and it says, 
את כל החלב, את החלב, לריח ניחוח, which I'll get to in a moment. But it's all offered on the altar, altar for a beautiful aroma for God. I'll get to that part in a moment. And then it also says, don't eat any blood. Okay. So no blood and the people aren't, don't eat the blood and don't eat the tallow. Right. Which actually strengthens your question. Right. So now, okay, good. Okay. So, okay. So here's, here's the thing. First, I'll explain why not, and then I'll explain why some cultures do. Okay? Um, fat, tallow, okay? Tallow, you know, has calories for sure. We all know that. Um, and it has, you know, fat, which is useful. Um, but um, some vitamins, but it has no iron and it has no protein. So now imagine that instead of saying that I offered on the altar, I say, we say in the Torah, that it's, something that can be shared. It's part of what you share with everybody. Um, if, right, if we say that, then we're going to end up in a situation in which I throw a party, I throw it for my friends, like Mishloch Manot, but then the poor people, you know, I give them the fat. <laughs> like, great. Right? Then I've, I've actually not shared really useful nutrients with the poor. Oh, it's like giving something more low. I don't know. I'm trying to think like it's giving the lesser good piece of meat or it's not meat even. But like if you say, oh, you, you have the fat because you're right. lower class. Um, that's not very nice. OK. Right. It's not very helpful to them. But a good use of tallow, if we have enough meat, a good use of tallow instead of eating it is fuel, especially in Eretz which class you do not want to waste wood, and depending where you were in the land, like Yehuda, you didn't, yeah, you didn't waste wood, you didn't have that much wood to spare. You had fruit orchards, but you don't chop down fruit trees. And as the Torah says, and you basically burn a, fallow, a tallow. So instead- so giving, the, giving the poor people the tallow is, and the blood is neither nice nor helpful to them nutritionally. And in fact, it could be used differently um, in a much more useful way. Correct. And, and I'd argue that in general, burning it on the Mizbech for God as in a beautiful aroma, and it, it, it helps the fire burn and, and just a good aroma. I would argue that that's actually a model for what people were doing in their homes. That if they were eating as in Sefid Varim, eating meat at home, the idea was, wait, the Torah there also forbids eating fat or tallow, then don't eat the tallow, use it as fuel. Okay? Mm. Kind of like on Shabbat offer God more food and then korbanot, more extra food, and then go home and have a good meal. And what about the blood? Why uh, that one? Okay, so the blood, um, the blood similarly, blood has some iron, has some protein, right? but blood is mostly water. So blood is also not a substitute for meat if you have meat available. For nutritious or, meat, yeah. For nutritious meat, right? What you can do with blood is use it as fertilizer nitrates, depending on the plants, like trees and orchards, it's good. Weed, it's not, depending on the stage you use it. But it, sometimes for weed, it can be good, depending on what where, the land condition and the stage of growth. The point is nitrogen is useful and blood can be used as a fertilizer. And that's actually what happens with it. What the Torah says is, either in Dvarim, pour it in your gates, pour it like water on the ground, 
and outside the gates is where the orchards were. Or mm-hmm. in Sefer Vayikra, it's poured on the on the mizbech on the altar, and the 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 altar had a tunnel that would lead to to the river outside Yushalayim or any other altar. The same idea. You basically have it go flowing into water, and then it goes again into the fields outside the area. It's the Mishnah in Yoma. For those who like to read Mishnah in their machsor, on the, you know. And Yom Kippur, because it's too long, but it's relaxed. So, so there's a mission there about the word blood flowing into the river, the fields. Okay, so what I really am understanding now for the first time is that it's there's it's not a it doesn't sound like a taboo. Meaning, blood is not a taboo in the way that I thought it was before. Or maybe it is, maybe I'm not using the word correctly, but let's just pretend for a moment. It's not the same, ooh, it's gross. That's why we don't eat it. But rather it has a, a utilitarian purpose that the that the Torah, that halacha, that God is saying, use things in a way that will be really helpful. And that's why we're not supposed to eat the blood because it can be used for fertilizer. And, and also it, we don't want to, you know, give the things that are less nutritious to the poor because that's obnoxious. And the same thing for the fat, for the tallow. So could, could I, could I, I'm could I push a little bit and say something that might be disconcerting and radical? Please do. Um, depending on conditions, no, I'll, I'll rephrase this. Um, once we give once we don't need something or give up something, whatever practice, we change a practice due to practical considerations, our emotions can kick in. I'm gonna, I'll explain in a second what I mean. Okay, so um, let's say, but just because you mentioned earlier foods in England, if I'm in the, in the Scottish Highlands, right, then I'm going to eat the blood. I need food. Um, if I'm an es- uh, Eskimo, I, I'm going to eat all the fat of a whale, especially in the winter. I need that fat, okay? Um, so... Different cultures will play things out differently. But if I'm an Eretz Yisrael, in where you die especially, but Eretz Yisrael, where it's best to avoid eating the fat and use it for something else rather than play with it as a substitute for meat. So too with the blood. At that point, I can become emotionally sensitive to what? I'm going to start actually like grabbing the blood as an animal is slaughtered and it's, you know, it's, it's dead or it's dying, depending on what you want to debate that moment of death. But it's if blood is coming out of its neck and I'm going to like scoop up that blood, that feels so barbaric, okay? Like, blood is the life, it's the breath. Actually, nefesh means breath. Blood is the breath. Like, how could you do, like, it feels so cruel because I don't, if I don't need the blood, then I can let the emotion kick in. If I don't, and then I can have a taboo. Like what, part of what lets us be very moral about certain things in different cultures have this different standards. It's not mere relativism, okay? It's once reality allows me to pay attention to something, I can actually morally feel the event in a powerful way. If I need food, I'm a carnivore. If I don't need food, and I don't need, I don't know, I have substance, I can become vegan, right? Like it depends on on what I have available in terms of my needs. And then once I'm in a world that my needs play out in a certain way, I have space for the emotional response. Wow. Okay, so if you were to sum up 
One, the one thing that we can learn or that our listeners can learn from um, Parashat Baikra or in general, the um, discussion of the lengthy discussion of korbanot, of offerings, of sacrifices, of animal sacrifices um, that would really feel connected or important for our lives today, what would it be? Wow. <laughs> I was hoping to ask you that. Um, I'd say, um, I'd say two things. One is obviously there are different korbanot, which is a helpful way to frame the different experiences, such as we said, oh, uh, uh, you'll let it, woman who gave birth brings a chatat, a sin offering, and an ola, a, uh, a, a, an ola, a holocaust, but we don't use, don't use that word, a, a full burnt offering, I forgot the word of English, <laughs> a fully burnt offering. Um, okay, so, so it's useful to go through the list and think about the different emotional responses we have to different events right? and how we would right, respond, emotional responses. But the other thing is what we did now, which is within each thing, look at how we look at the mirror of, of the things we actually do. Right? We actually don't eat less useful food or give that to the poor if we can afford, if we can afford to actually give good food and eat good food. Right? If we're Eskimos, I understand. We do it differently. Right? If we're in the Scottish Highlands, we do it differently. But these are models for, for us about how to treat food, not just how to emotionally respond to different events in life, but then how to actually deal with the food. Revelation, thank you so, so much for expressing that for, and for, for explaining that. Um, that is a lot for us to chew on. Um, <laughs> if you, <laughs> excuse my pun. Thank um, you, no, that's cute. And uh, wow. Not going to look at Safer and Vayikra in the same way again. Thank Thanks so everybody. much. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Shabbat shalom, everyone. Thank you again for downloading this podcast, a production of Pardes North America. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Spotify for the latest episodes of the Pardes Parsha podcast.